Hello and welcome to Dialogue, the Diapoint podcast. I'm your host, Pam Durant. Hello and welcome back to Dialogue, the Diapoint podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I would love and appreciate if you could like or comment in Apple Podcasts um, about the show. This helps more people find what we're doing, and it helps more people find more quality information about diabetes and health and wellness. We know that the internet is full of all kinds of information about health, wellness, and diabetes, but at Diapoint, we aim to bring you quality information. And to anyone that's not listening yet as well, we hope that they too can find quality health information. So by liking or reviewing the show, it helps more people find quality information that they need. So we would really appreciate that if you can do that. Today on the podcast, I am speaking with Abdullah Al-Hashidi. He is living in Abu Dhabi. He is Emirati, and I think he was the first person that I've met that has diabetes. He's been living with type 1 diabetes for about 13 years or so, I believe. And he's faced some challenges and some complications with that. But that has still not stopped him from being positive and looking ahead and looking forward. So please take some time out and listen to this lovely episode where Abdullah shares some insights about his life with diabetes and how he faces diabetes and its challenges and all those things that come with it. And we also talk a little bit about food because we do enjoy sharing uh, some good new places that we find in the UAE as well. Um, but we talk about a lot more than that. So please enjoy the show and love to hear from you if you like it or would you like to rate it or make a make a comment. Thank you. Abdullah, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast or joining me today. It's really great Pleasure. to have you here. And like we were talking before we started recording, I've known you for quite a few years now. And yeah. I think you were the first person from the United Arab Emirates that I actually met that has uh, diabetes of, of any kind, to be quite honest. Um, and I've always appreciated how you shared your experiences and talked about it openly um, because I think it's quite motivating for a lot of people to hear from someone else what 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 that is like, and especially when there's not a lot of people sharing. So why don't, for those of you that don't know you, um, let's start from the beginning. Why don't you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your experience with diabetes. How old were you when you were diagnosed? And we'll take it from there. Okay. Um, thank you, Pam, for hosting me um, on your podcast. My name is uh, Abdullah Al-Hafidu, and I live in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. Currently, I'm 31 years old. And, you know, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I think I've, uh, I've had diabetes for about 13 years. I've stopped counting the years uh, since I've been uh, diagnosed. And um, living in uh, uh, in the United Arab Emirates and, you know, uh, in the region in, in general, you know, I've always wanted more people who've had type 1 diabetes to, to come together. And I've never seen people or 
families uh, uh, being vocal about uh, type 1 diabetes or any type of diabetes, to be honest, uh, in general. And, you know, it, it kind of raised uh, a red flag uh, with me as the years uh, have gone by. And then, and then as I've started understanding uh, how type 1 diabetes affects me, and that's when I started uh, becoming more vocal about it uh, with uh, starting with uh, the hospitals. But, you know, I could never tend to bring uh, people uh, uh, together. And that was always uh, a challenge. But as I was uh, getting to know um, families who had type 1 diabetes, it's, it started uh, dawning on me that, you know, type 1 diabetes wasn't a one shoe fits all. As, slow, uh, as slowly as uh, time went on, we started uh, bringing in families uh, uh, together. And that's when that statement that there, it's not a one shoe fits all started to make more sense, you know, uh, uh, even more. And that's when I also started realizing that the effort in um, trying to guide uh, families who have or who have uh, children with uh, type one uh, diabetes would be, you know, uh, require a much greater effort than. Uh, uh, what, uh, what I first thought. Uh, as I've mentioned, I've had uh, diabetes for, I think, 12 or 13 years uh, currently. And, you know, it hasn't been without uh, its challenges. You know, most people tell me, uh, or the thing that I hear um, in general, that, you know, you have to be uh, positive about living with type 1 diabetes. And that's, uh, that's fair. But uh, just like life, it comes uh, uh, with uh, with its own uh, challenges. And type 1 diabetes, it didn't come without uh, its challenges. Every time I think I uh, started to get the hang of it, uh, it always uh, come at me with a curveball. And, you know, it just, you know, even though that uh, meant that sometimes... Um, it put me down, but it just meant that the learning curve just got steeper and that I'd have to put in uh, a lot more uh, effort. Most people tend to think that living with type 1 diabetes only has a physiological, is only a, you know, a physiological lifestyle. Uh, but the psychological toll that uh, it can take on a person is also quite big. Uh, and that's where having the support of um, individuals, uh, communities, um, you know, uh, whether it's uh, global uh, communities, people from uh, different countries, it plays a huge role in learning on how to live with, with type 1 diabetes. Because as I mentioned, it's not a one shoe fits all, but the world is a big place. You know, if you put out a message in uh, in such a large uh, uh, community, you actually might be able to get uh, an answer back, and someone actually might relate to uh, uh, to what you have. And that's where you know uh, the psychological aspect also comes in, like because you go, "Hey, I'm not alone. Someone also uh, is going through this," and maybe they have a different way of uh, dealing with it. And that plays a huge role in, on how I've, I've lived and can 
still uh, keep on living with uh, type 1 diabetes. Yeah, community, I think, plays a huge role. And it's something that came up recently in a discussion with some other advocates that community is so powerful. And even among moms in, in the UAE, we support each other. And especially always it's like late night or you can't reach someone, you have a question. Of course, we're not giving medical advice. We're always telling people medical advice, get some if it's really medical and on the border of medical advice, we'll always say for sure, follow up with your doctor. But just knowing that someone else has gone through the same thing, listening to how they've dealt with it can give you real insight and make you not feel so alone. And one thing that some advocates said, or a lot of advocates and people living with type one from other countries I've talked to, what they feel is that sometimes physicians are skeptical of communities, of patient communities. I've not seen that here, to be honest. I've seen most of the the pediatric endocrinologists anyway that I'm familiar with are very supportive of community. Have you found that to be true in your case as an adult? Oh, in my case, um, the accomplishment that, uh, that we have is that we've established the WhatsApp group, and it's mainly for uh, moms uh, with children who have uh, type 1 diabetes. I think there are over uh, 100 uh, mothers uh, in the group right now. And the, um, the support, it's, as you mentioned, it's only from the pediatric uh, endocrinologist. I've, I've not necessarily found um, any uh, adult endocrinologist who would push uh, patients uh, towards uh, these kind of support group. And I think that mainly has to do with the fact that once a patient reaches a certain age, at least uh, in this region, they don't necessarily see the need to share what they go, uh, uh, what they go through. This stigma uh, or this uh, glass ceiling tends uh, t- tends to be pretty thick uh, once you're, you know, uh, in your teenage uh, adulthood years. And uh, it, even if a doctor uh, would uh, would uh, tell the patient, "Hey, there's a support group for for patients with uh, type one." it's highly unlikely that patient will actually uh, put in the effort to join those uh, groups because from their mind, they've pretty much got everything covered and there's not necessarily a need to find uh, support. And I think that mainly has to do with the fact that um, they haven't yet experienced the um, the mental toll that type 1 diabetes uh, has on them. And you don't necessarily blame them uh, at uh, uh, at that age, uh, to be honest. If they're still living uh, with uh, with their families, ha- uh, they just kind of uh, shut pe- uh, shut people out and deal with the situation as it comes along. And why do you think people like? And where I'm from, I think people tend to overshare. Like it, it's it's out of control. They just share everything. Why do you think that more people are not inclined? And it's not even like sharing, but disclose it or talk about it. And of course, it's your it's your own private matter and your health and you don't have to. But I just find the extremes of some countries, people are what I feel oversharing when other countries, including here, I find more people not 
inclined to share. And even I'll give you an example. There was a project I was working on, not here, but another country in the GCC. And they're looking for role models from that country. And we can't find any because people aren't really talking about it. So why, why do you think that that might be? I think uh, mainly it's, uh, it's, it's a cultural uh, thing, to be honest, uh, because, you know, people would say that if they kind of don't acknowledge um, uh, something, then there's not necessarily, um, uh, then it won't necessarily cause a problem. Mm. It's the same thing um, when people say that, you know, I'm not going to go to the doctor because if I go to the doctor, uh, they'll find something that's uh, wrong with me. The this kind of um, no, but the, it's 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 a point of view. Uh, I think yeah. that's the best way. Uh, yeah, I think, that's I think so because I don't I don't want anyone to feel bad like they have to disclose it. You absolutely don't. But yeah. I just find you know all around the world, I find so many extremes about how people are living and disclosing diabetes and talking about it and even afraid to to share it when maybe they, they might even like you said being afraid to go to the doctor that they might suspect that there's even something wrong they might even have heard of the symptoms and have the symptoms but they're still you know afraid afraid to even disclose it to potentially a doctor sometimes no it's it's absolutely i mean um you know uh, and that's why uh, like even in our uh, whatsapp groups despite the fact that the parents uh, have like they have a child who has type one diabetes, but they still don't want to go and see the doctor as frequently as possible. Mm. This uh, so despite uh, despite despite this fact, um, we I'm like I'm still trying to to push the parents. You know, you know, if you have a question, go to the doctor, book an appointment, and listen to what they have to say. And um, you know it. It takes a lot of effort to try and break this uh, 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 this point of view, but it's uh, it's not easy. But you know, I'm I'm proud to say that uh, we have um, cracked a few coconuts. That's good. No, that's really good. I mean, it starts sometimes with small steps. Change doesn't happen massively overnight, and it's not even a big change. It's just getting people to be more aware. Um, that they should follow up with a doctor continuously because, you know, before, and also when people hear, I'm sure that they hear a lot about type two diabetes and that, oh, if they just eat healthy, then maybe they'll be fine. I don't know if you come across a lot of misconception about that, but a lot of people that I meet just in general from anywhere, they think it's like no big deal as long as you have a special diet, which we, we all know is, not always the case because especially type one is so challenging to, to manage. And now a word from our sponsor. Dialogue, the Diapoint podcast is brought to you by the Diapoint shop. Diapoint is a place for people touched by diabetes. We support people through education, events, services, and advocacy, as well as with beautiful diabetes accessories sold in the D shop. Visit diapointshop.com to see all of the wonderful, useful things that we have to support you in your health, wellness, and diabetes. We offer the highest quality possible and have tried or regularly use most of the items in the shop ourselves. Check out www.diapointshop.com now to get the latest in health, wellness, and accessories.
Now back to the show. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. And I've heard everything uh, from uh, the cliche uh, examples uh, of, you know, uh, Hollywood uh, uh, celebrities to random person uh, that this person uh, might know. And again, um, type one, type two, uh, gestational, it's, it's not a one shoe that fits all. You have to see the, uh, you have to see the doctor and they'll give you uh, the advice and then you uh, decide on how, uh, to ta- uh, uh, on how to tackle it in the way that makes you feel comfortable. You know, like, for example, personally, um, and I'm not saying that everyone should follow this advice, but this is how at least I deal with my type one uh, diabetes. I make sure that, you know, I know um, uh, the right amount of carbs uh, uh, in my meal. And I keep my options open for any food uh, that I'm I'm going to take. Which is really great. And I I love that you experiment. And I know even times before, like we've talked, we've messaged each other about like dumplings and different things like that. So (laughs) you're, you're like, hey, I'm going to Din Tai Foon. What do I do? And I'm like, enjoy it. But, but still, it's wonderful that you're still experimenting, you know, in what is safe for you and what works for you. You're getting advice from the doctor and, and you're, you're finding how to manage this in, in the context that, that works for you while reminding people that it may not work for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, You know, it, uh, I, I, I even still remember I th- um, when uh, when I asked you about Dintai Fung and you told me it's five uh, five grams of carbs per um, yeah uh, per, uh, per dumpling and you know I'm saying this and this is not something for <laughs> for anyone to follow because I love the food over there so much like I will pre bolus um, before I go to the restaurant because I love the food over there so much. And I want to increase my appetite <laughs> before uh, mm. uh, before I go there. So I kind of put myself in a. I mean, I know there's no safe zone for hypo, uh, for hypoglycemia, but I just kind of uh, put myself on that borderline. So once I go to the restaurant, I uh, uh, I go crazy um, and uh, uh, and enjoy the food. So now that you know things are opened up a little bit. Um... Are you able to get out, exercise, and get back into your regular routine? Um, uh, kind of. Uh, I mean, um, there's um, despite uh, the well control, uh, you know, uh, I've um, uh, uh, how well I've controlled uh, my uh, diabetes. Um, I unfortunately uh, started to come down with uh, some side effects and uh, the most painful uh, of uh, actually one main uh, side effect, and that's my uh, peripheral neuropathy. And uh, unfortunately, it's uh, stopped me from being able to uh, go back into exercising uh, because I used to go uh, to the gym and uh, weightlift. Mm-hmm. Um, but since, uh, ever since my neuropathy started to get, uh, started to get worse, I was, or I, I'm still, uh, having a lot of difficulty, um, 
um, exercising uh, as uh, as uh, as I used to. However, uh, there has been uh, an alternative uh, that I've um, uh, 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 that I found, and that's yoga. Oh, amazing! Um, yeah, uh, and you know, I've I've been uh, I've always been a skeptic, uh, to be honest, of uh, yoga. But I've uh, I've been having uh, one-on-one uh, sessions with my uh, with my instructor, and the amount of help that it's had, or uh, that it's given me, uh, both mental and physical, uh, I, I can't even uh, I can't even describe it. Granted, um, you know, uh, because first of all, uh, like when I'm exercising, I'm practically pain-free. Uh, from my uh, uh, from my neuropathic pain, and once the session's over, I think for a couple of hours, that kind of keeps on going. But then uh, the pain starts uh, the pain starts coming back, and I have to go back into my um, my prescribed uh, medication. But uh, I'm still working with my yoga instructor on how to uh, on to learn on how to maintain that that me- that mental state. To be able to keep me pain free, uh, because I don't want to be on pain medication for uh, uh, for the rest of my life. Yoga has helped me uh, remain flexible. Uh, I've, you know, there are things that it's it's a different it's a different kind of physical well being than uh, that I had in yoga than what I did uh, when I uh, when I weight lifted. So you know. Just because um, one door closes uh, in front of you uh, doesn't mean that that's uh, that's the end of the road. And I I re- I know it might seem that way. Believe me, I do, uh, because there are still certain times I feel that uh, all doors are shut. But you know, if you're patient and just learn that. Tomorrow really is uh, another day. You'll actually see that that there is a positive uh, outlet as you keep uh, as you keep on going. Amazing! That's wonderful advice. I love that. And for anything, of course, I'm sorry to hear that you're experiencing neuropathy and these challenges. I'm I'm glad that you found yoga. I think yoga is amazing, and. What um, what kind of yoga do you do, or is it kind of a hybrid mix of different things, or is it a particular um, type of yoga? I I'm I honestly don't know uh, if it's uh, if uh, if it's a certain type, but uh, basically, it starts off, uh, or at least we start off uh, by doing some uh, stretches, um, and then uh, we move on into more challenging uh, poses. And um, I didn't, I didn't realize how hard it is, um, you know, to breathe. Actually, uh, to learn how to breathe uh, through uh, through the pain uh, of certain uh, uh, of certain poses, um, and that actually comes a long way on teaching you um, how to actually on. Uh, how to uh, to live your day uh, 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 every day. That's true. I agree. I'm a big fan of yoga. 
I used to do it more than I do now, but I I was in the best shape of my life when I was doing yoga regularly. I can't recommend it enough. And I'm just so happy to hear that that you found it. And then as an alternative for something that you, you know, can't do right now at this time, but that it's really helpful and you're still, you know, finding strength physically and mentally through that, I think is really wonderful. I think more people should try yoga, actually. So hopefully they'll be inspired. I mean, my advice uh, for all the skeptics, uh, or if you are a skeptic of yoga, believe me, just give it a shot. Don't Um, be. I just did the Ashtanga primary series actually yesterday for the first time in a very long time. And I'm very sore today as if I had like a full heavy physical weight workout, sore in a good way, but it will challenge you in so many different ways. I think um, that you never thought were possible. Yeah. Uh, and you'd actually be surprised on uh, knowing the actual strength that you have, uh, 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 that you have in your body. Um, I mean, there are certain poses that I didn't think that I'd be able to, uh, uh, to pull off. But, um, you know, I, I was, I was able to, I was able to do some of them either on the first, uh, on the first try or on the second try. Uh, and it felt great. Uh, it gives you just that real good feeling of happiness. Amazing. That's wonderful. I love that. Before we sign off any final thoughts or suggestions, I think you've given us so much insight to how to approach diabetes mentally and any challenges that come with it. But before I leave, because I think this has been such a a very interesting discussion from your point of view, anything else that you would like to to share? I mean, the the only advice, um, and this isn't isn't limited uh, to any uh, any region. If, uh, If you need help, ask for it. Just make sure you find the right outlet and the right people who will, you know, uh, be honest, uh, who will be, uh, who'll be actually honest with you. You know, even though it might hurt, uh, honesty might hurt in the beginning, but believe me, honesty at least, uh, will help you, uh, uh will help you get through it and just, at least uh, move on in the proper way. That's wonderful. That would would be the only advice uh, that I have. I love that. Yeah. Never be afraid or ashamed to ask for support. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. All right. Abdullah, thank you so much for joining us for this discussion. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much again, Abdullah, for joining me for this episode. It was a really beautiful conversation. I love how you highlighted how yoga helps. And I personally love yoga. I think it's great. I think everyone should do some form of yoga, whatever that means for you. It can be in a class, it can be one-on-one, or sometimes yoga might mean taking a walk or sitting and meditating whatever is meaningful for you. I personally like the physical benefits of yoga as well. When I'm, I'm doing it and focusing on it. Um, I, I feel really healthy and I've been in some of the best shape of my life. I can say honestly, when I've been doing yoga compared to other types of activity, 
And for people with diabetes, I often hear so often that it helps them um, tremendously, sometimes with blood sugar control, but more often I hear how it can support mental health, burnout, and emotional health. So if you haven't tried it before and you're curious about yoga, that could be something to look into. And also Abdullah points out that there is no shame in asking for help if you need it. If you're having diabetes burnout or feeling challenged by it, reach out. And it may just be, you know, sometimes it might be reaching out to someone that you know and just kind of talking to them about it. Maybe another person with diabetes or someone that you can know and trust, someone that understands or can at least empathize with your diabetes and understand how it is really challenging for you or reach out for professional support, maybe a mental health professional. Um, and if, if you have trouble finding some and you want to know who to reach out to, if you're in the UAE, please reach out. You can certainly recommend some qualified, um, and certified uh, practitioners, but please don't be afraid to reach out. And as Abdullah pointed out, getting the right support and finding the right people can make such a difference in your life. So I hope that you found this episode interesting and a little bit enlightening. And if you have diabetes, please know that that you're not alone. I think there are people out there that are are ready to support you and, and share their experiences. Thank you again so much for listening to the show. I'll see you in the next episode.